Greetings. This is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 67. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And for these purposes, it has a couple websites. One, the archive website, llresearch.org. Two, the community website, bringforth.org. During this podcast, we respond to questions. These questions are sent to us from spiritual seekers like you. Our panel consists of three very fine people, well, at least two fine people, Jim McCarty and Austin Bridges, and a third, myself, each of us a devoted student of the Law of One. Your questions allow us to explore the Law of One and related matters of metaphysical interest. Uh, We hope, in doing this, to offer a resource that enhances your own seeking process. Please know that the replies that we offer, however apparently wise they may be, are not the final word on these subjects. We ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and be sensitive to their resonance in determining what is true for them. If you'd like to send us a question for the show, please do so. We have no show without your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary Bean, and we are beginning a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Jim McCarty and Austin Bridges, you guys with us and ready to go? Yes and yes. I'm ready. All right. That sounds like a green light. So, our first question, and maybe our only question for the show, depending on on our replies, comes from Major Third via Bring Forth. Major Third writes, How much do you share about your own spiritual thoughts in your everyday life? I feel that being a very openly spiritual person, sharing too much of seemingly weird thoughts and ideas in some aspects makes it harder for one to be of service to people that might need it very much. On the other hand, many of us have an urge to continue our spiritual journey and perhaps be more transparent about who we are to be ourselves. Also, to spend more time with people with similar ideas. What are the pros slash cons of being a, quote, wanderer in disguise, so to speak? How do we find balance in this regard? Well, Jim, what do you think? Well, the uh, the pros, I would say, of being a wanderer are that you get a chance to be of service to people. And that's why we're here. That's how we polarize and go further in our own journeys at all levels of experience. So we've come back to Earth, all wanderers have, I believe, in order to help out just by our very presence to start with, and then by specific things that we can do. Maybe we have some talents that we can offer as a way of uh, being a teacher or a healer or an organizer or maybe we were into the arts and dance and music and poetry and writing. Some way of sharing the love and the light of the Creator in a way that people can understand fairly easily because it's uh, common and accepted as a way of offering yourself to others in service, whether you're a wanderer or not. But then I think each wanderer also has a desire to kind of get a little deeper. I think that's what uh, Major Third's talking about here is 
How do you really satisfy your own soul that wants to get into the thick of the spiritual journey and the miasma of illusion we have here on earth? You really want to get out there and do something to help out because, you know, it just seems so obvious that uh, there's so much confusion, there's so much anger, so much division. So what, what can we do? And you, you want to get out and just maybe stand on a street corner with a sign that says, uh, available for help, you know, like Lucy and Peanuts, you know, uh, psychiatry, uh, five cents. Um, but you really can't do that, and he knows that, and we all know that, because unless people are asking you for some kind of assistance, uh, what you say is just not going to be listened to. People are usually, at some point, willing to ask, but most of the time they're not. Uh, they don't want to talk about all the stuff that goes on in a spiritual journey because they're busy trying to support a family and get an education and, and trying to help their kids get through school and one thing and another, you know, just the uh, the stuff of third density, as Ra calls it. Most of them don't see the stuff of third density as a means to grow spiritually. They see it as an end in itself. So... I think what you have to do as a wanderer or anybody who wants to be of service to others is is wait to be asked uh, is the first thing. And then it's sort of up to you to play it by ear as to how much you say. And Don had a, a philosophy I think works well for me. And I have a hard time adhering to it, though. But he always said, maintain the baby step. Don't go too far. Don't go too fast. Just keep it simple, stupid, you know, <laughs> because uh, people can't take in a whole lot at once. If they can ju just grasp a little seed kernel of what you've got to say, then maybe it'll grow and maybe you'll bump into them again sometime and they'll ask you another question. And maybe you'll sit down uh, somewhere at some point in a bar or in a restaurant or in a home and you'll, you'll talk more in depth. But I, I'd say that really we're kind of like uh, Johnny Appleseed. Uh, we're just throwing little seeds here and there, and, and we know, like it says in the Bible, some of them will fall on thorny ground or stony ground, and some of the birds will get them, and and the, the briars and the thickets and all that, but some will fall on fertile ground. So in that regard, I think that we uh, we just do what we can there. And then I, I think sometimes too much emphasis is placed on words. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. And I think that how we are, how we be, and how we relate to people in our actions with them says a whole lot more. And if we can relate in a way that is, is giving and loving, and we just, on the, on the spiritual level, mental level, uh, intellectual level, you know, the, uh, the noumenal level, broadcast some love and light around you and um, keep open to ways that you can help out. Uh, in a grocery store, maybe uh, somebody, a shopper's having trouble getting his or her cart unstuck from the line of carts so that they can go shopping. You may help them out, you know. Um, there, there are little things that come up all the time that you can just do a small thing to help somebody out. And, and it means a lot. It means a lot. You know, it's, we're all aware of how this world is at, in high gear, and especially this time of year. People are moving fast and they got work to do. They got a list to check things off of and if they can see that you have taken time out of your day just to do a little something for them it really touches the heart so i, I would say uh 
try to emphasize your being and how you share it with others. And then, um, you know, cast your seeds about. Gary, how about you? Well, as the host, I nominate Austin for the next reply. And thank you, Jim. Yeah, thank you for that. I think um, we have similar interpretations of the question, but I sort of thought that he was asking a bit more about sharing spiritual thoughts specifically, not necessarily like going out and serving, but being transparent to our spirituality with others, sort of uh, specifically the law of one, I guess, for a a law of one seeker. But the answer would be very uh, similar for both. Um, I do have an experience um, to share in that regard. But first, I think that um, we have to consider when talking about this, the three of us specifically, that most wanderers and seekers of the law of one don't have um, a community or a uh, anybody in their life to share their spiritual thoughts with. And I understand that that can be a very, very lonely feeling and a very lonely path. Um, there was a point in time before I was involved with LR Research that I had an intense resonance with the Law of One, and I had nobody uh, to share that with. And I remember this profound loneliness that went along with that. And I did try to share it with a few people, and at least some of them were willing to listen, but it was clear that there was no one in my life that was going to be on the same spiritual page as I was. So this loneliness that I felt at that point in time was a big general life theme for me, and it was a very intense catalyst. And it wasn't necessarily all surrounding my spiritual path, but a lot of it was. Um, But luckily... The, on my spiritual path being the Law of One, one of the biggest things I gained from the Law of One was this perspective and ability to view such emotions and experiences like this intense loneliness as catalyst for spiritual growth. So the feeling of loneliness, it was so pervasive in my life that um, it was almost impossible not to meditate on it. If I was sitting down to contemplate or meditate, that was what was there to work with. So I would take that into meditation and allow myself to feel that loneliness as deeply as I could. And I didn't uh, make much progress in utilizing this as catalyst until I got a message one day about relating uh, loneliness to strength and the ability to stand on one's own without leaning on others for support. In this context, walking a path that is already innately a solitary path. I think the spiritual path is a very personal one. And walking that path without needing validation from uh, others, uh, and that being the strength that is that loneliness, or that loneliness can be that strength. Then that um, the loneliness that I felt began to transform. I would say that in uh, thinking about the opposite of loneliness, trying to balance it, One might think that um, feeling uh, companionship or having company would be the opposite of loneliness. But I think that the opposite is actually a different approach to being alone. Instead of feeling loneliness while you're alone, um, it's finding joy and company in one's own mind and relishing in the ability and the opportunity to 
exist and think and feel and be independent from any other person. And that being the opposite, I think there's obviously a balance in there somewhere. That balance, I think, is what a major third might be uh, referring to, or at least that's what I uh, sort of interpreted that as. So, uh, bringing that around to the heart of his question, I think that the experience of loneliness that I described has helped me in forming how I relate to others in my spirituality to this day on a day-to-day -day basis uh, with people who aren't necessarily part of my spiritual life. Outside of LL research, my social circle is um, surprisingly non-spiritual. Uh, my partner and most of my friends are either atheist or agnostic, and most of them place very little value on the concept of spirituality in general. Um, what friends I do have who are spiritual, I rarely have an opportunity to share openly with them about my spiritual thoughts. But one thing I learned through that loneliness uh, was that the spiritual connection does not necessarily rely on the specifics of your own spirituality or um, even concepts that we would consider spiritual at all. I think that uh, the balance that I have found um, is somewhere within this idea that spirituality doesn't have to look like spirituality. Um, the concepts and the structure of the Law of One and our spiritual beliefs, they help us to make a deep connection to the universe and to the Creator, but those things are necessarily a very intensely personal thing, for me at least. And really, I don't think that they should need validation or acceptance from others. And I don't think that uh, I should need others to know about my spirituality in the specific way of what I believe. <clears throat> and I think this is uh, touching a bit on what Jim was talking about, uh, where... The spirituality allows us to be instead of uh, to sort of actively uh, seek out opportunities to share it. It just comes through in our innate being. So I think that if there are aspects of uh, my spirituality or your spirituality that are looking for social validation, I think that's a great opportunity for contemplating what exactly those spiritual aspects truly mean to you. Um, instead, what I have found is that my spirituality deepens and my appreciation for a wide range of human experience, and I am able to view other selves and their interests, their beliefs, and attachments, and their lives from a spiritual perspective, no matter what they contain. I uh, find that I can more easily relate to others, and uh, thanks to my spiritual beliefs, but not necessarily through my spiritual beliefs, um, I'm able to form a deeper connection with people. So um, approaching it like that allows me to insert my spirituality into conversations and interactions without the need to uh, address it directly. I think it's easier to do this with some topics and conversation than others, but uh, there aren't really any limits. We had an episode a while ago talking about sports where I described how I um, relate spiritually to my friends who are very invested in uh, college and professional sports, in which I basically have no uh, interest in innately. So before wrapping up, I want to acknowledge that given everything I just said, I don't think it's fair for me to tell somebody that their desire to connect with others or to share their spirituality 
or their spiritual beliefs um, is not a genuine and uh, good desire. I think that uh, while it's great catalyst for growth, I don't wish anyone would have to experience the loneliness that comes with being unable to share that spirituality with others. Um, the joy in sharing and spiritual seeking with others is, you know, truly meaningful and healing. And uh, I feel very blessed that I have people that I can, you know, talk about these things with. So it truly saddens me that so many wanderers and uh, seekers are so alone on this journey. So the perspective that I share, I want to emphasize, isn't that um, this is a replacement for that kind of connection, but hopefully a way to relate to that loneliness that uh, helps it serve us in some way and um, not necessarily be such a, a burden as I felt it once was. But uh, I do understand the desire to reach out and connect. So those are my thoughts. How about you, Gary? Oh, thank you for your thoughts, both of you. And Austin, your reply deepened my what will be mine. <clears throat> And um, especially as you related your own experience of loneliness and like it seems that that loneliness was coincided more or less with the onset of your own spiritual seeking. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, and and likewise, for me, I um, as I began to ask questions and enter into a mind space that was more philosophically oriented, I found myself drifting from a whole system of familiar references including friends and family the whole world i was just find, found myself being separated from much to my own dismay and nothing that a friend or family member did to me or nothing that i did to them but i just was more and more secluded and couldn't i could pick up a phone and call anybody or make plans but there was this conceptual barrier there's this something that made it impossible for me to connect. And it was a, a lot of pain. And unlike Austin, I didn't have the insight that um, that's, a, that's available within the law of one about the nature of catalyst, that this experience is catalyst and I can use it. It is fuel for my spiritual growth. I just suffered. <laughs> uh, and that, that period lasted um, some years, a lot of darkness, a lot of, I would say, agony on a mental slash emotional level. And um, the balm for me was uh, intimate relationship. Um, I moved here to Louisville and I connected with Jim and Carla and others who were here at the time. And, and that did help um, but more, most powerfully, it was having, um, having a girlfriend, um, that sort of relationship at least seemed to keep that pain at bay. And then, uh, afterward I got married to somebody different who is my wife now and, um, speaks to that need greatly, but still even my life is a very, very full one um, with many of the same friends that uh, Jim and Austin have. We have a, a, a community of, of people connected to this work. And um, nevertheless, I still get into mind states sometimes of lack, of a sense of deprivation. And, and having um, what Austin was addressing, that desire to connect to commune spiritually with others, with a community, with a group. 
And I suspect, I don't know, but I have a working theory that a lot of that is rooted in being a wanderer. Um, if you can imagine that you, your soul has spent millions, um, hundreds of millions of years in a space where you were aware of the thoughts of your friends and lo loved ones. In fact, everybody you knew was your loved one on the planet. Everybody was your friend. And um, I mean, you imagine that level of intimacy and belonging and uh, the purpose. And then to go here, <laughs> where it's kind of fend for yourself, everybody on their own. You may have a few friends and family, but that level of communion is... I would say 99% absent. I'm sure it's it's definitely possible in some cases here on this planet. So that variance probably creates a lot of pain and a lot of desire to reach out and connect. And what more fundamental level to connect than through one's spirit, one's spirituality, and one's heart. And I make a caveat here that um, it doesn't take a wanderer to feel that level of isolation and pain because it's the structure of our society and it's native to every sentient being except those who do choose service to self to want to bond and connect with others. In fact, Ra says that the path to the creator involves merging with self and other. So um, it is a, a, a symptom profile that could fit anybody with an open heart really on this planet. But so um, regarding sharing this information specifically, this information, there are some pitfalls um, inherent in this body of work because it's so far outside the box. Um, as much as I recognize the elegance and the depth and the profundity and power of its core message of unity, and as much as my own studies sh tell me how congruent that core message is with the perennial philosophy on this planet that has been spoken and shared by mystics in all sorts of traditions and times and places, nevertheless, the, the whole package of the Law of One is um, outside, literally outside of the conceptual framework of reality for most people on this planet and therefore is liable to um, not be received, not be desired, not be understood. And yet it so animates and motivates your life and fills you with, with uh, inspiration and um, drive and purpose. And like what greater thing could you share than this? And especially if it did this for you, couldn't it help other people? So, um, a lot of people do, especially at the beginning when they discover it and feel the, the lightning and the fire of it, there, there's a strong desire to share, but then there's reality. And, um, I, I know the desire to share and I have navigated this as, as Austin and I want to come back around to Jim and Carla cause they have had a unique take on doing it to some extent. And, and a lot of people have navigated this question. How do I share this? Can I share this? Should I share this? And um, I think Jim and Austin, Jim especially, touched on it that, uh, one, you can only serve to the extent that it is requested. What, that, what constitutes a request is also a question. Two, Jim said, 
I think you serve best in how we are and how we be. And that's the message of the Confederation, too. It's our vibrations that are our greatest sharing. If we never spoke a word again for the rest of our lives and never said anything about the law of one and we were silent, that effortless energetic radiation coming off of us is what, whether the person perceives it or not, touches people the most and helps the planet the most. So I think that is very important to keep in perspective when you're trying to tackle the question, should I share this information or not? Because it is not nearly as critical as is who you are. And who you are is the uh, sum, you might say. Well, it's beyond definition, of course, but who you are might be said to be a sum of the lack of fear. The Rather, let me restate that. The strength of your own light is a function of the fearlessness in your being and the depth of your open heart and the strength of your desire to serve and so on. Um back to sharing this information in my own personal experience with this, which I want to explore with Jim and Austin. Um, it's, again, I've wanted to share, but one has to tread very carefully. So I tend to be very sensitive to the interest of others, very sensitive to body cues or tone or subtle... Um, signs coming from the other person and in one regard that is a um, it can become a handicap to me because I'm am so sensitive to and dependent upon the uh, receiving and even approval of others that um, I close up and I don't want to share because there is an apprehension or fear of rejection and it makes me deeply to this day deeply i squirm in my skin sometimes to think of sharing what is so personal and intimate to me and it not being received well on the other end or being rejected and so i think part of that is a a distortion a blockage in me um, a fear of being truly who i am um but on the other there is a positive value to that in that um, I, I admire people who are who they are and speak what they want to speak regardless of what others think. I, I think that is just amazing because it's so not native to me. But at the same time, um, people who get into that mode also may not be sensitive to what others want to hear. So I think there's a wisdom in exercising, um, trying to determine whether there is interest or capacity to receive what you have to say on the other end. Um, let me stop my train for a moment and explore with you guys. Um, Jim, what has been your personal experience when it comes specifically to determining whether or not to tell another human being who is not aware of the law of one about the law of one? Um, there has to be some kind of, um, I guess, a some kind of a question, some kind of a situation that arises between me and another person that would be appropriate to follow with some information about the law of one or my spiritual journey in general. Um, it's not something you just pop out with uh, as you're just talking uh, informally with your neighbor, say, or at the grocery store. 
uh, th there has to be something going on between the two of you that has a deeper resonance to it so that you can follow that resonance with what feels right to you. Uh, I think for Carla and me, throughout all the years we were together, beginning at the end of 1980, this whole process became much easier because we always had a meditation group every week on a Sunday. And then during the week, we usually had a teaching channeling session with somebody. So we were always in the role of a, a teacher or somebody who was there to share. It was what we did. So it became more natural. And I really had to kind of rein myself in uh, on many occasions when I was with other people because it was just so easy to get off onto a train of thought that would lead along a spiritual path. So um, that hasn't been so difficult over the years, but I have found that it is really necessary to have something in common between me and the other person that is of a, um, a spiritual nature before anything like that can be shared with another person. Um, uh, there's a quote from... Uh, Session 17, that uh, I think Ross says it really well, says, The best way of service to others is the constant attempt to seek to share the love of the Creator as it is known to the inner self. This involves self-knowledge and the ability to open the self to the other self without hesitation. This involves, shall we say, radiating that which is the essence or the heart of the mind-body-spirit complex. So in order for that to really happen, you know, you, you've got to be in a conversation that's pretty much dedicated to spiritual principles. Um, if I'm talking to somebody that uh, we really haven't reached that level yet, uh, maybe I'll just throw out a little breadcrumb or something about, uh, well, you know, uh, what goes around comes around, or you reap what you sow, or uh, something of that nature, calling upon a well-known saying. And then if there's any kind of response, then you know, go with it a little bit. But for the most part, um, I think that our radiation of our being is really what we have to offer to most people that we have contact with. Um, and then if there is something, uh, we have more contact, more intense or, or long contact, then there's probably going to be a chance where um, something could come up of a spiritual nature. And, and then, of course, you can just go as uh, deeply as both people are willing to go. Uh, when I was with uh, T.D. Lingo on Laughing Coyote Mountain in the early 70s, uh, the late night talks around the campfire went as deep as you would ever want to go. So, you know, that's the ideal. You know, you're, you're on a special uh, mission or you're on a special occasion, you know, a special uh, situation with a person, and you're just there for a while, and so let's share. And then you can really get going, and, and you can trade. That, I believe, is really an important thing, though, too. It's trading. You're not always just going to be the teacher. You know, we have to be teach learners too. And you have to be able to listen because if a person is listening to you and what you have to say, then you owe them the courtesy of doing the same for them because they'll have questions, they'll have their own experiences to share and uh, their own takes on what you said or maybe something original of their own experience. So I think we need to be able to uh, give and take. It's got to be a conversation, a con together, you know. Yeah, said. Um, thank you, Jim. Austin, what's your experience in navigating the question of whether or not to share some aspect of the law of one with somebody that's unfamiliar with the law of one? 
Uh, my general rule is to not do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sound, yes. Uh, it's, it's really difficult. Like I said, most people in my life, uh, specifically my life, are very non-spiritual. And beyond that, they're sort of, um, they go along the lines of what I would call scientism, the, or what is called scientism, the sort of fundamental attachment to science. And not science necessarily, but the uh, gospel of the scientific community uh, is basically how the scientific community interprets science. And that means that any subject involved in the law of one, ranging from the spiritual aspects of it to the um, more paranormal UFO aspects of it, um, that entire range of topics would be uh, just foolish nonsense to a lot of them. So... Um, part of me is very terrified of, um, actually sharing an aspect of what I do. Normally I talk about, uh, um, meditation if I get asked specifically about what I do. And I guess, uh, luckily or unluckily, most people sort of, um, <laughs> their eyes glaze over just at the mention of that and, uh, continue on with other topics. So um, whether or not to share something specific about the Law of One would really have to do with how uh, comfortable I was with them. Um, but circling back to my original response, uh, I gave sort of what I would like to feel would be an enlightened approach to the loneliness we feel to sharing. I would like to add the caveat that I do have an intense desire to share uh, the Law of One and what I do uh, you know, as my profession working for LL Research with others. I think that you know, this social connection of uh, career and um, passion is ways that we connect with people on a social yellow ray level. And that connection, I think, is very important. So um, while I think there is uh, wisdom in being comfortable and not sharing these aspects of yourself, and there's also uh, something very admirable, like what you were talking about, Gary, sharing freely without... Uh, consideration for what others will think of you. Um, I tend more towards being closed off and uh, not being able to share proactively. I think just trying to think about any time that I actually shared a specific aspect about the Law of One with another person was probably soon after I discovered it and um, their roommates and uh, felt more comfortable sharing with them. But um, as far as just my social circle goes, uh, people that I meet that ask about what I do, um, it's uh, it's difficult to cross that barrier because my mind can't get over the worst case scenario of them just <laughs> disowning me because I am a huge weirdo who believes in talking to aliens through telepathy. <laughs> to put it one way. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way that I feel like most people would frame it. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, yeah, I think in my personal experience, if that's what you're asking about, I tend towards just not sharing it, but I really wish that I could uh, find a way to do it. And I've tried uh, crossing that barrier, but the situations that come my way just do not lend themselves to being able to do that. Yeah, like you and um, like Austin and I have discussed on our own outside of the podcast on more than one occasion, uh, I just have this inborn fear of that sort of rejection like this sort of system-wide shame almost to share and to be exposed and to be not 
accepted and it's as real as a wall inside of me it's it's difficult to um leap over as it were um which is why i think <laughs> what austin started out saying that the rule of thumb he doesn't share i think it's uh <laughs> pretty much my rule of thumb too and you know i have uh, as jim was saying um, I have connected with people and been able to be of greater service, I think, on a, on a far more – on a stronger level um, without ever talking about the law of one per se, but about discussing their processes and their life and uh, finding ways to shine my own light into that. So I think words are just – tend to be just the vehicle um, of the energy exchange itself which is more fundamental, words are secondary, which is not to um, discount words because they pack a perspective and insight and information and illumination and have a purpose, of course. And I like that Jim used the word trading. Um, I, I have been most fulfilled in sharing and in communing and connecting with somebody when there's a trade of energy or an exchange that uh, fulfills me, and I feel you can feel that at times when you connect with somebody on a level where you're both really vibing and you're intensely riding that wave, and there's there's a sort of uh, lightning there, and it's an, an exchange of here's my thoughts about things, <laughs> here's my thoughts about things, and I, th I think that's really uh, where it's at um, in terms of sharing. And one quick anecdote about an attempt I made in folly to share that has uh, informed me since. And I believe I may have mentioned this on the podcast some time ago, but um, early on in my path, uh, actually on my way to move to Louisville, uh, my then friends from an old world had a, we had a little party and a fire and um, my best friend at the time, he and I were uh, laying on the ground. It's summertime. Yeah, summertime. And we're in the grass and lying on our backs uh, next to each other. And I get the impulse I'm, I'm, um, to tell him all about wanderers and um, you know my discovery of the law of one and what it means to me and so forth. And somebody took a picture of us laying there on the ground and... Um, my then friend's face looks like I had just told him that I am the devil <laughs> incarnate. It's just um, incomprehension on his face and a, a sort of um, aversion. You can see it in his eyes. And I, because I had imposed that on him, he wasn't ready to hear that and didn't want to hear it, really. It was uh, too far outside his box. And I did not maintain the baby step, per Don's wisdom which isn't to say that's how all encounters go, but it's a personal one in mine, my own life. Uh, I had one other quick thing I wanted to discuss, and that's the notion of wanderer in disguise. But uh, did you two have anything you wanted to add to that particular thread? Uh, not for me. No, I don't believe so. All right. I wanted to offer some thoughts about this notion of um, major third which I believe your name probably comes from the major cycle of third density. It's a musical term. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was my second guess. <laughs> it's a musical term. Um, major third said 
what are the pros slash cons of being a wanderer in disguise, so to speak? So I take that question uh, as to mean he or she is asking, um, should one kind of openly declare that they are a wanderer, say that they are a wanderer, and so forth? And in my perspective, I think making an identity of being a wanderer will probably interfere with your message being heard or your service being offered. Um, saying you're a wanderer to somebody else really adds no substance to what you have to share. It, it doesn't make um, your message more insightful or effective or necessarily even oriented towards the other person. Um, and moreover, as, as I have known, um, it may even provoke hostility or rejection. And I, I uh, make the, the statement that um, I wholeheartedly believe that there are wanderers on planet Earth. And I believe even that it's likely that my own soul is part of that uh, demographic. But um, that said, even I wouldn't listen to somebody more closely because that they said they are a wanderer. Um, I mean, knowing that you are a wanderer and exploring that and sharing that can and does have value. I don't mean to negate it into nothing. It's part of who you are, and you need to come to terms uh, with that, if that is part of who you are, I should say. Um, but it needn't be worn on the sleeve. Uh, otherwise, there is great risk of seeking special status for the self, or at least giving that impression to others. And that closes my own thoughts. Major Thirds, great questions. Um, Austin or Jamie, you all have anything more to offer? Uh, my only thing to offer on your last comment would be uh, I would hardly support what you said. I would also say that for myself, I would prefer not to discuss being a wanderer with people because it's too easy to try to think you're uh, more than somebody else or better or, like you said, spiritual sergeant stripes. It's a, a sacred type of being, and it is a part of your own journey that you need to keep silent and sacred so that it never becomes an object of ridicule. Well spoken. Uh, I would um, add to Jim's reply. First, I first heard Jim say, I hardly support what you oh. said. <laughs> <laughs> no, heartily. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to clarify. <laughs> I figured that out after a few seconds. Um, but just uh, to add a heartily um, support for uh, Gary's reply. And then I guess to maybe add a couple situations where it could be proper to share um, your wander identity. And I think this goes along with what uh, Jim was talking about earlier in a, a deep sharing. Uh, I think the campfire uh, image is a great one where you were up late at night talking with somebody about, you know, your deepest uh, feelings. And um, if you are both opening yourself up in a vulnerable way and sharing this identity is an act of vulnerability, then I think that um, uh, could hopefully be healing for you if you have somebody who will uh, genuinely listen to you. Or um, if you have a deep connection with somebody that you feel might be a wanderer and you have an established trust in a friendship, I don't think that you should go around to people that you're acquaintances with who might seem a little weird and be like, you're an alien. Um, uh, but if you have somebody that you are close with and maybe sharing how you feel with that person, uh, might help spark their own uh, internal journey of being a wanderer. Um, and then just a small comment about uh, sort of this theme 
Um, I've talked a little bit, I think, on the podcast but, um, uh, about spiritual bypassing and how uh, the wanderer identity could be a form of spiritual bypassing, meaning that it could be a way of avoiding some very essential spiritual processes that are uh, central to our journey as human beings. Um, because despite where our souls come from, we are here on earth as human beings living a human experience and to overly identify with uh, the other alien non-human portion might be a way to avoid dealing with aspects that uh, we are actually here to deal with as an act of service. Yeah, right on. And a brief follow-up to the second of your two categories when you that you identified where it might be helpful to talk about being a wanderer, and that's that to somebody else who is a wanderer. And you could encounter a situation where um, somebody has had that sense their whole life, and and it may have even caused some difficulty. That has happened in many cases, and they don't know how to process it. They don't know how to relate to it, or they, they haven't had the clarity of um, knowing about the role and function of the wanderer in the universe. And then you come upon such a person and see... I could offer this to them, and it would be of enormous value and help um, clarify and bring peace to their troubled hearts. So I think we chewed over Major Third's question really well. You um, you guys all replied out? Uh, yep. Yeah, empty. I think so. <laughs> We're running on an empty. All right. Well, that's, um, that's it for me, too. Jim, do you have anything to offer the listeners? Yeah, we thank you all for your questions. We thank you for uh, listening to what we have to say. You can kind of look at this podcast as our late night campfire. We share the heart of our own journey with you because we love you all so very much. We thank you for being with us. Take care. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to LL Research's weekly, rather bi-weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening, for supporting the podcast with your questions, and a special thank you to Major Third for sending us your questions featured in this episode. If you'd like to hear us ramble on about a particular topic, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other Wednesday afternoon, Eastern Time. Have a wonderful couple of weeks and a Christmas, and we'll talk with you then. Bye.